0: Good morning, everyone. Uh, this is odd. Here we are, and I hope that you're all ready to worship today from your house. Um, I can't see you, but hopefully you can see me pretty well. Um, so this is uh, this is kind of, I guess, what it's like if the rapture happens and you're left behind. Um, but e- either way, uh, we are going ahead. I don't really know who to look to today. Um, but we're going to go ahead and we're going to worship. Oh, there we go, the camera. Um, we are here. Uh, I'm here and some other people, we put uh, buffer zones up between them, so they're here to help make this happen. We hope that everyone is safe on a serious note, and um, we are going to worship the Lord today. To start off today, we're going to go ahead, we're going to pick up a song from a long time ago or some time ago, and it's a desert song. Listen to words. Go ahead and sing loud at home. If you can't sing, uh, wake up the, the rest of them, get the pets involved, have a good time with this first song that we have here. Hopefully you woke up the neighbors with your singing and you, uh, and you, you felt it like you did here. Uh, today what we're going to do is we're going to look at some other things. But right now we're going to go ahead and lift up some prayers. Um, and then we'll, we'll continue on with some other things. Um, we have one prayer request. If you have those, please go ahead and send them in on um on our, uh, you can see if you're watching Haven Live, we do have a way to connect to that. You can also place them right now if you're watching Facebook Live. Go ahead and put them up there, and people can be praying with you with those uh, those prayer requests. We do have one here. Melinda asked for prayers for her husband, John with his compromised immune system, and to help him to uh, remember to go ahead and um, drink and eat when when that is needed. We definitely want to pray for anyone who has been affected, and in some way, we've all been affected at some level of uh, COVID-19 or this uh, coronavirus, and so we want to go ahead and lift everyone up in your prayers, particularly those who are, who are very, very ill with it, particularly our elderly in our communities and those around the world who have already lost individuals because of it. So let's go to Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you today in a different environment, uh, something that we're not used to. Um, this uh, COVID-19 is not a, uh, a surprise to you, but God, we know that you hold all things in your hand. We know that there are people who are afraid. There are people who um, are uncertain. There are those who are sick. There are those who are dealing with all kinds of things. And whatever it may be, God, we know that you are the healer. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about you as a miracle worker and a healer. And God, we just ask that your Holy Spirit be with us no matter where we are. Although the sanctuary is fairly empty, we know that your presence is here. And because of modern technology, We who um, are in many different places are joining together in one church. And so, God, just be with us. Give us your word. Give us your life and your Holy Spirit. In your name we pray. And everybody says, yell it out, amen. There we go. Okay, so um, we do have a couple announcements. Here we go. The announcements are, for this week, everything is not happening. We're on hold. By, uh, and that leads me to my other announcement. We want to go ahead. We're going to keep an eye on it. But we are going to put up some charts right now. If you have your phone, you have a QR code um, that you can see there. We will put this up again at the end of the service. For those who want to get connected to um, our donations, uh, usually around this time we do give offering um, and receive tithes. That um, if you want to continue to give or you want to enroll in automatic uh, pay, you can go ahead and do so at that link there, or you can go to our our, uh, website, havencc.org, or send um, an email, and we will make sure that you get connected if you will. Um, The other one that we do have is um, the the texting or the email alerts that we get, so that uh, it's interesting that we've been able to really update this lately, and we're trying to update our list and want to keep you in contact, particularly on a week like this. we tried to use everything that we could to get people in contact with certain things. <coughs> excuse me. Um, and I um, mean everybody's nervous now that I'm coughing, glad you're not here. Um, but what we try to do is go ahead and get everybody connected, and it gives us a way to get that information out very quickly, um, since we are really up in the air over the next few weeks about um, what we need to do to make sure everyone is safe and secure with that. So please go ahead. Again, at the end of service, we will run these, uh, these charts again after we're done um, our benediction today, okay? All right, so um, again, that is our announcements. For today, and like I said, it's a little bit interesting, a little bit unusual. Um, Like I said, it is like um, I want to sing all by myself, really loudly, all by myself. Okay, Um, and all these other kind of songs. But whatever it may be, um, we are going to continue because we know we're not alone. We are here with the Lord. Now today, um, we're going to uh, press kind of not really a pause, but we're gonna we switch some things around. And we're going to keep with our series, our new series, um, Who is Jesus? And, but I've switched some things around. So unless you've been in a coma or completely asleep this week, you know that there's been a lot of news all around us and a lot of unrest. COVID-19, here it is, COVID-19, the, i.e. the coronavirus, is spreading the stock market is erratic and uh, all over the place. The NBA, the NHL, the Major League Baseball spring training, and other sports events have shut down. And the big question everybody wants to know is, what should we do? What should we do? Should we I, What I usually see is there's a couple extremes. One of those is, hey, don't worry, just slough it off and keep on going through life. And that is kind of an underreacting situation, or we can be like many others, um, hoarding up sanitizer and toilet paper and canned goods and preparing for the apocalypse. Some of you probably had to move your toilet paper stacks out of the way so you could see the television um, or the computer today to worship. But what do we do? You know, it's interesting, the story of coronavirus, no matter where we go, no matter where we are, um, we don't know what to do. There was a a website that I was... um, that I check in with a lot, and somebody had to actually put up an announcement. No, the coronavirus does not affect the internet. Please make sure that that doesn't happen, uh, and then you don't think those things. So we have several things, and all this kind of stuff, whether it's cancellation, or not knowing what to do, or, or empty churches all around the country. Um, we stop to look, and it brings us to this point now where we have international travel bans, conferences and ca- concerts. And uh, kids' events and school events that we had hoped to see are closed. Probably one of the biggest ones for many of us this time of year, the NCA Basketball March Madness Tournament shut down, and you can hear the tears from Vegas right now as they're crying. Um, and for some of us, we've decided to just lock ourselves away and eat rice and beans for the rest of our lives, however long that may be. But there's a couple things that when we look at and think about this, And I'm going to tell you today I'm not making any long-term decisions because even though my initials may be JC, I'm not him. Um, But one of the things that I have learned in times of crisis and in times of panic, uh, we need to not project too much into the future, but just know what we know today and base off that. The other thing is that as Christians... Our filter on the worldview has to be different, or at least it should be different, because we have a tremendous hope in the Savior of the world. His name is Jesus. He promised us that in this world we're going to have trouble. And he said, but take heart, I've overcome the world. So in this time of unrest, we need to do exactly what Christians from the very earliest stages have done, is to look to Jesus. And so that fits very perfectly in our series, Who is Jesus?, because many of us, this whole uh, series is done on the idea that who is Jesus? Who is he? And many of us have a view of Jesus. And several of those views are completely flawed. We, our, our views are based off of Hollywood's depiction. It may be viewed off of a tradition or a religion. Or maybe we've seen some painting or artwork that all these things are not really very accurate. And so what, what we want to do in this series is we want to sort through all these things, and we want to get to the big question and, and find an answer about who is Jesus in different ways. Last week we spent some time, when we were here, we spent some time looking at Jesus, and we recognized that much of our ideas about Christ come from the fact that we spend three years, the last three years of his earthly life, from thirty to thirty-three, that shape everything. Western civilization shape our churches and everything, but yet we forget that there was zero to thirty, and what was he doing? And most people believe, and as I shared last week, is he was living life so he could understand, so that we could have not only Jesus, the one who saves, but we can have Emmanuel, who is God's with us. If you haven't seen that. Um, Go ahead. You got some extra time this week. Uh, you're tired of the kids running around, tired of your spouse run, annoying you. Uh, you ran out of toilet paper. You really need something to do. Go ahead and, um, and take a look at uh, last week's sermon. Today I was going to talk about, though, today um, about Jesus the teacher. And I, I was all set to do that, and this week kind of changed that. And today we're going to talk about Jesus who is a miracle worker, or a healer, and, and my, my healer, my miracle worker. And we're going to look at that. Let's look at our theme verse for this series uh, that will be up on your screens. And it says, you'll remember, friends, that when I first came to you, I didn't try to impress you with polished speeches and the latest philosophy. said, so I deliberately kept it plain and simple. First, Jesus who he is, then Jesus what he did, Jesus crucified. I love a couple of those terms there. One says we want to keep it plain and simple. And I think many times in our Christian faith, we have made uh, humanity, humans have made it very difficult, and yet we've kept our faith very simple. And so what we want to learn is who Jesus is. what Who really is he? And we're going to talk about that in the series and what he did. Uh, this series will culminate um, on Good Friday, with uh, the about who Jesus is, and there will be obviously an Easter uh, sermon too. But it will cult- cultivate with culminate. Excuse me, with that last part, what we said: Jesus, what he did, Jesus crucified, and we're going to talk about Jesus the Lamb on that night. And We'd love for you to for the, for you all to be here. Um, so we're going to talk about Jesus the miracle worker. And I got to say, when you talk about Jesus as a miracle worker, it is. I'm amazed and overwhelmed um, at some things because one of the things is when we see the miracles and hear the miracles, or we may hear somebody else having a miracle, and we attribute to God, that we're amazed by that. Or some of us may take the opposite approach and say, hey, I needed a miracle for my loved one. I needed a miracle for me. I need a miracle here. And we feel left out. We say, hey, maybe God might be doing miracles for somebody else, but he's certainly not doing anything for me. And there's a tension and a confusion that we have here. And so in the midst of all this, I said, how do I want to start this today? Where do I want to go to? And I remember when I was in seminary and grad school, I remember when we would talk about things, they had this discussion of the law of first mention or of the first time. And so when you're talking about the miracles of Jesus, where do you go? Well, you go back to the first mention of one, and that is very fitting in many ways. We're going to go to Jesus at a wedding in Cana of Galilee, the site of his first miracle. And many uh, historians, particularly during the days of Prohibition, had a lot of problem with this first miracle where Jesus turned water into wine. Some of you who are locked up today would love to have Jesus come over your house and start turning some water into wine so you can stand everybody there. But who knows? So let's look at this uh, from Scripture in John chapter 2. Again, if you have your Bibles, open them up. Um, We also uh, have the bulletin provided for you that you can have online as well. And here's what it says. On the third day, a wedding took place in Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Now this this is our key verse for this uh, setting here today. I think it's interesting that the setting of Jesus' first miracle is a wedding. I don't think anything in the scripture is there by mistake. And so usually at this point, and you got to help me out at home, I would say, how many of you have ever been involved with planning a wedding? And everybody raised their hand. There we go. Planning a wedding. How many of you have ever attended a wedding where someone, or whether the bride, the groom, or someone was a little bit stressed out? Everybody raise your hand up. Okay? Uh, as we look at this, weddings are times of expectations, and the expectations that they have are extremely high in weddings. You spend ungodly amounts of money on dresses, on tuxedo rentals, on shoes that hurt your feet so much so that you look good. And for the um, brides, they can't even see your feet because it's under, if you're back in the 80s or the 90s, you've got all those frills around you. Ain't nobody going to see anything when you look there. And then guys, you're having those, those we think that they made them out of, out of a plastic, those shoes. They shine nice, but they hurt like, the dickens so you have them on and here you are you spend all this money many of you spend money at the top places to get married you have limousines that drive you to and from somewhere you uh you go ahead and you pay for out-of-town guests and before you know it everything it's your day it should go perfect i've uh I've been part of many, many weddings over 24, 25 years, and I've seen the highs and the lows. I saw one time where the bride's mother, um, they weren't very close at all, and the mother was going to be there, and she showed up 15 minutes late into a wedding that is probably about 25 to 30 minutes, and she walked straight down the aisle in a let's say it this way, very skimpy attire, and her hair looked like Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, and she sat down. After the wedding... The bridesmaids were like, I cannot believe that she showed up and showed up late and then that thing and walked and went this. And the bride came up to me almost in tears and said, I'm sorry. And I looked at her and I said, No, I'm sorry for you that that's your mother. And she laughed and they went on and enjoyed life. Um, There have been several times. One time I remember I was doing a wedding. The wedding was going to be, let's say, at at, uh, 3 o'clock. The bride showed up at quarter 3 after getting her hair done and she said, I hate my hair. And she was angry and she was frustrated. And she went upstairs. And fortunately, it was a nice day. Everyone was outside. They brought out coolers for drinks for people. So people were happy. It was a wonderful day. Meanwhile, while the bride had her future sister-in-law going through her probably hundred plus dollar hair and fixing it in a way that she was happy with. And then we got started. And the announcement I made to people is, enjoy the early reception because the bride's not happy with her hair. And if the bride ain't happy, ain't nobody happy today. And so it's no mistake that Jesus uses a point where expectations are so high. But there's a problem here. The problem is not that the bride's not happy, the groom's running late, um, he's still in Nazareth behind a caravan. That wasn't the problem. The problem wasn't the rabbi didn't make it on time. That wasn't the problem at all. What was the problem? The problem was that the wine was gone. The wine was gone. You see, much like today, it seems like the ceremony is kind of an afterthought to weddings. And at this time, in Jewish tradition... That's exactly how it was there. They had a ceremony, and it was important. However, what they did is a lot of focus was on the after party. It was the best party that any Jewish family could ever have. Some people would have this, and having three girls, I'm glad that it isn't like this anymore, they would have a party and a feast that would last. You ready for this? Seven days... Seven days, a week long that this party was lasting. If you ran out of food, if you ran out of uh, wine, if you ran out of um, places for people to remain during the night, if you ran out of anything, it was a complete social disgrace. One that people would never, ever let you forget. And you may even be ostracized in society. Wine was so important in the Jewish faith that the wine was actually associated with the idea of joy. And rabbis used to have a statement like this. They would say, where there is no wine, there is no joy. And some of you being locked up for the last couple days are probably thinking the exact same thing and gave me a big amen. There's no wine in your life right now, and you need some to cope with everybody. You see, so many times when we look, some of you may feel the same way that in your own lives, in your own faith, in your own daily journeys, that the wine has run out in your life, that there's not much joy in your life anymore. You may look at your finances and say there's no joy there. You may look at your health and say there's no joy there. You may look at the world around us and you may say, my gosh, I can't even go anywhere and... I I don't even see what's going on, and yet it's making an effect on everything. And my joy with this whole thing has run out. And so what I want to share with you is if your wine has run out, if the joy has run out in your life, you need a miracle. And what a better time than to approach Jesus. There are three things that I want to share with you from this, this account of Scripture. When there's no wine in our lives... And we need a miracle. And then we're going to talk about what we need to do to have Jesus be the miracle worker in our life. Are you okay with that? I hope so. Because that's what I got, and I'm alone here. And that's what's going to happen. All right? So um, you can always turn it off. And if you do, I know who you are, and Jesus knows who you are. Um, So here we go. Um, The first thing that we need to do. One of the things that happens when the wine and the joy runs out in our life is we begin to focus on feelings instead of our faith. We focus on feelings instead of our faith. Look at what happened when we look at this, um, this wedding. What happened? The wine was gone. They focused on the physical, the natural problem, not a spiritual solution. In looking around our world today, we are all focused on the coronavirus. There have been people talking about it being a biological weapon. There. There was actually some people who posted, and they had to correct this, that it's only homeless people who are carrying this. Um, One person actually asked a question um, of the Corona uh, beer company, can I get Corona from your beer? So Corona is like, no. Um, So, you know, a lot of people used to say, you can't fix stupid. Um, So sometimes we get to those points, And Lord knows that they actually have, the, the Surgeon General of the United States had to post and say, please stop taking all the regular surgical masks. They're not good against the coronavirus. Save them for the medical workers who need them for other sick people. And so, people, one time than the other, are into this sort of hysteria. And our feelings are panic and fear and uncertainty. And so, we feel like we need to, to do something, if anything. We're guided by our feelings. Look at what happened here in the scripture, when it's, um, what Jesus says here. It says, We live by faith and not by sight. We as Christians are to be a people who live by faith under an all-powerful, loving God. We can't just continue to live by what we see. If we live by what we don't see, then many of us would make no changes at all in our lives due to this coronavirus. Because last time I checked, the coronavirus didn't knock on my door and say, let me come on in. I can't see it. I'm having faith and trust that in those who are experts that they're telling us the best things to do so we stop this pandemic that goes in the world. And yet many of us have more faith in that than we do in the fact that we have a a living and loving and powerful God. We need to live by faith and not by fear. Yes, we have to have a balance. We need to balance um, logic, use the brains that God gave us for discretion. I don't think it's the best thing to do to go uh, around licking tables or um, ha- wiping your other people's hands all over you. I don't think that's a good thing to do unless you go ahead and use hand sanitizer, I guess. That's, that's you're up to you. But what we see is God gave us a brain to use. He gave us a faith to use as well. Jesus said several times, he said, right before he left this world, he said, My peace I gift you, my peace I leave with you. And so I think the sad thing is many times, many of us would rather have a piece of bread that we've hoarded up, or that we a piece of toilet paper that we need that we've hoarded up as well. The sad thing rather than the peace of Christ Jesus. Let me tell you something. God is not shocked by COVID-19. Not one bit. He wants us to be smart and safe, but he also wants us to live in peace. 2 Timothy 1.7 tells us this. The Apostle Paul writes, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You see, God is faithful. Apart from anything, our faith shows that God is faithful. He is in control. He is a good God. And that he's working out his plan no matter what occurs in this fallen world. He won't leave us. He won't forsake us. And he's working in all things. And what is our responsibility? Our responsibility is to live by faith, not by sight, and to recognize that God has given us not a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and we need to use our sound minds in the midst of everything. You know, the next thing that we have here is we often, when the wine begins to run out in our lives, when we begin to lose that joy and we begin to have times of confusion, we take matters into our own hands. We take matters into our own hands. Look at how we've done this already. We get to a point where we sit there and we go, Well, I don't see God doing anything, and I don't see anything else happen, so I've got to do something. And so we say, okay, then if it's not working the way I want it to, or am I seeing God the way I think I should, then I'm going to do it myself. Notice what Mary, the mother of Jesus, said. When she goes to Jesus, she says, hey, we've run out of wine. Jesus says to her this great statement I love. He says, hey, why... He says to her, you know, it's not my time. And she completely ignores him like a good mother. And she goes ahead and says to other people, do what he tells you to do. Do whatever he tells you to do in this situation. And I find that very, very interesting. Because often we take the problem from God. And what I've learned is it can't. my problems can't be my problems and God's problems. I need to change direction as it says here in Isaiah 30. 15, it says in repentance and rest is your salvation, and in quietness and trust is your strength. In repentance, we're talking about just an about face. Stop doing things all myself. Stop saying, I can do it. I can do it. I can make it happen. And just rest and stop. There's nothing that we can do. No amount, it is even all, all over the place on government hotlines, Buying all these things that we are buying are not going to fully help us get over this. But we're so nervous and we're so uncertain that we got to do something. So we go and we look in the stores and we've got cans of beef stew that we wouldn't eat ever. And so many people are saying, what's going to happen when this goes by the wayside, which it will eventually, that we're going to have cans of stuff that we will never ever eat or use. And we bought because that kidney beans were the last thing on the shelf, but there was no meat to make chili, so I'll, I'll go ahead and eat some kidney beans. Or we bought some kind of thing we don't even have a clue it is. And, and you know, maybe I saw the, somebody, yes, it was a joke, but he was selling one roll of toilet tissue for $10,000. It, it's, it's, it's erratic that we do. And when we don't trust, we end up into this area. How does it continue? And uh, says, you don't have this on the screen, but I'm going to read the rest of it. You said, no, we will have none of it. In other words, we don't want the goodness and the answers that God has in the trust of him. It continues and said, no, you said we will flee on horses. And any time you see horses in the scripture, it refers to our own strength. You will flee on horses. Therefore, you will flee. And you said we will ride off on swift horses. And therefore, your pursuers will be swift. If everybody's running in the same direction, one of the reasons why they want us not to gather together in large crowds is because they want to go ahead and limit the amount of affection that our our infrastructure can take. And so we take things into our own hands. It says a thousand will flee at the threat of one. The threat of five, you will flee away till you are left like a flagstaff on a mountaintop, like a banner on a hill. You're all alone. You know, it's interesting, this verse from Philippians really helps shape the fact that Jesus told us that there were plagues and pestilence till the end of time. The early church uh, embraced that and understood that. And look at this verse from Philippians. The Apostle Paul says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out for your own interests, but take interest in others too. Now, again, we need to be careful, but I did some research this week on early church history and how they reacted to plagues and to pestilence. During the periods of the Roman Empire, Christians made a name for themselves during plagues. Historians have suggested that the terrible Antonian Plague of the 2nd century, which killed off a quarter of the Roman Empire, actually led to the spread of Christianity. As Christians, didn't lock themselves away fully, but they began to care for the sick and offered a spiritual model whereby plagues were not the work of an angry and capricious God, but the work of a broken creation in revolt against the loving God. Even more famous was the plague of Cyprian, named for the bishop who gave colorful accounts of this disease in his sermons. Many scholars believe it was probably related to the disease Ebola that we've had several years ago. And the plague of Cyprian helped set off the crisis of the third century in the Roman world. But it did something else. During this time of plague, there was an explosive growth in Christianity. Cyprian's sermons told Christians not to grieve fully for plague victims who live in heaven but redouble our efforts to care for those who are still living. His fellow bishop, Dionysus, described how Christians, heedless of danger, took charge of the the sick and attended to their every need. A century later, the active pagan emperor, the last pagan emperor, Julian, complained bitterly about how the Galileans, or the Christians, would care for non-Christian sick people. While church historian Pontius recalled how Christians ensured that good was done to all men, not merely those in the household of faith. The sociologist Rodney Stark claims that the death rates with Christian communities have been less than half of that of other cities because of the love of people have for others and the love of Christ. This wasn't just in early Christianity, but we can go to the 1500s, 1527, when the bubonic plague, one of the greatest plagues in the history of the world, broke out in Wittenberg. And the great Martin Luther, the one who kind of kicked off this whole kind of Protestant thing, refused to flee the city and protect himself. He stayed just there and ministered to the sick. And actually his refusal to flee actually caused the death of his daughter, Elizabeth. And he produced whether Christians should flee the plague for all who to read that you can find right now. In that, he wrote, we die at our post. Christian doctors cannot abandon their hospitals. Christian governors cannot flee their districts. The plague does not dissolve our duties to love one another as Christ called us to do. For Christians throughout history, they have not only said, but they have lived out, I am my brother's keeper. Yes, we need to be safe, but yes, we need to not forget our Lord's call to love one another as he have loved us. We need to take interest in others as well. And the third thing that we do when our wine is running low is we exaggerate the negative. I believe that, yes, we need to go to God in our problems. And today, um, our president has declared, President Trump has declared today a day of prayer for, specifically for the coronavirus. My hope is that every Christian who calls himself a follower of Christ has already been praying for God to intervene and answer in miraculous ways during this time. But sadly, many of us only go to God during these tough times. We go to God and we give lament and complain. Oh, God, oh, help me. Oh, Lord, I'm going to sit here. I'm depressed. I'm eating mud. Whatever. That's where we are. And we give that to God. But at some point in our lives, at some point in our Christian journeys, if we really know that Jesus is the miracle worker, then at some point we got to stop telling God about our problem and start telling our problem about who our God is. Because God is good. And even though in our lives there may be no more wine, or we may feel like the wine is running low, and right now in our world it looks so bleak, and we don't know what the next few days or weeks or even months or the next year may have, we can recognize that we serve a God who loves us. And that's why in 1 Corinthians 1:20 it says this, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. You say, what does that mean, Jack? It simply means this. That even though we cannot see the promise of God of a fullness of life right now, even though we cannot see the healing Christ in our life right now, even though we may not experience, and the wine in our lives, and the the joy is just gone by the wayside, and we're living in a coronavirus world, the promise of Jesus is still yes. Because we don't know all that God is doing. And we need to open our eyes of faith to see that God is at work. I want to share with you this verse, and I want to share it from 2 Corinthians, and I want to share with you twice in two different ways how we look at this. Let's look at this, excuse me, let's look at this from the first way. It says, We are hard pressed on every side, we are not crushed, we are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. If I look at that verse, and I look at it with those highlighted words that are there, I see that I am hard-pressed. I see that I am perplexed. I see that I am persecuted. I see that I am struck down. And if that is my worldview, then guess what? We're all, we're all, it, it, the world is burning, and it's all going to hell in a handbasket. Let's just enjoy the ride as much as we can. If I look at the world view by by what's out there and what's going on in our world today, then I can look at that world with that that view and that shapes my view of myself. Then I'm hard pressed, perplexed, persecuted, and struck down. But let's look at this verse from another point of view. We are hard pressed on every side, but we're not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but I'm not abandoned struck down, but not destroyed. You see, when Jesus told us that in this world we will have trouble, he didn't just say, enjoy. He said, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So, so many times we get so caught up in the troubles of the world that we forget to recognize that even though we may be pressed in, we're not crushed through Christ. That even though we don't understand and we're perplexed, we are not in despair because we have a God who's got all things in control. And even though if we're persecuted, we're not abandoned because he said he would never leave us or forsake us. And even if we have been struck down and those in our lives have been struck down by whatever it may be, we are not destroyed. See, it's not just hope, but it's faith. Hope is like I hope that today will be a nice day. I hope that I win the lottery. I hope faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And so what do we do with all this? What do we do with all this that we have? Well, we're going to look back to this first miracle and we're going to take a look at this. We do what Jesus says to do. Notice once again, Mary completely ignored that Jesus said, it's not my time. And said, his mother said to the service, do whatever he tells you. I find this very humorous because I can see Mary. Many, many people have said, okay, why is it Mary's problem? Some people thought that it may have been one of Jesus' sisters or a relative of his because the disciples were there too. And so we don't have any account of Joseph. So many scholars believe that he had long since passed away. So who did she go to? She went to big brother who would, who would have been taking care of things for the family. So she walked up to him and said, we have no wine. And Jesus said, why are you bothering me, mom? And she says, it completely ignores it, looks at the other people and said, do exactly what he tells you to do. And I think Mary, you, you don't get a lot of scripture about what Mary says, but when you get it, it's like E.F. Hutton, you better listen. And if you don't get that, you're much too young. Just go with it, okay? Talk to your parents or grandparents about it. But Mary says something very important. Just do what he tells you to do. And I can see her looking at these guys, these servants, and say, okay, He's going to tell you to do something that's a little strange. I raised him. I know it's going to be really, really weird. I know it's not going to make sense. Don't think about it. Don't think about it at all. Don't even try to make sense of it because it ain't going to make sense. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Okay? All right. Bye. And she goes back to the party and leaves it in Jesus' hands. He's different. I'm telling you, he's different. I've raised him. He was born in a stable. We had shepherds. We had angels. Trust me, just do whatever he says, and you'll be fine. You know, it's kind of like Nike. What's the big Nike thing? Everybody shout it out at home? Just do it. Just do it. See, Nike stole that from the Bible. He stole that from Mary. Um, but why did Mary say this? Because God is simply famous for doing things that just don't make sense. Or things that we don't understand. Or even things that we don't agree with. Isaiah 55 tells us this. When Isaiah says, this, for God, this plan of mine is not what you would work out. Neither are your thoughts, my thoughts, the same as yours. And he continues and says, for just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than yours. I'm going to say something that you have probably already known. I don't know very much. And the more that I learn in life, the less I realize that I learn. And I really know. The more that I learn, the less that I know. But what I do know is I need God because God knows, God sees, God controls, and does more than any of us. But often too many times we think we know more about God. The extremes in life will mess with you. The extreme of eh, flippin', I don't care. Let the virus go, let whatever happen. It doesn't matter. Oh, there's there's eight hundred thousand people in human trafficking. Ah, eh, okay, not affecting me. Those kind of things, those flippant attitudes, are an extreme that place us in some bad place. Or the extremes where we're where we're just so so engrossed with, oh my gosh, I can't move, I can't breathe, I need everybody to leave me alone. I, I need to wrap myself. Literally, I saw a picture this week of someone riding a subway wrapped in plastic with water on their head with the gloves that you do dishes with riding on a subway so we do things our extremes no matter what extreme we are at we need to go ahead and moderate that and become to a point where we trust god there was a nike ad many many years ago and it had spike lee in it as well Again, some of you who are old enough to remember that may remember that. And Michael Jordan would do all these dunks. And the response from Spike Lee would be, must be the shoes. Must be the shoes. Because Michael Jordan could dunk. He seemed to fly in midair. His nickname is Air Jordan. So it must be the shoes. Must be the shoes. I'm here to tell you that I bought a pair of the very first Air Jordans. And I'm here to tell you with 100 billion percent confidence, it ain't the shoes. Because my two-inch vertical leap never soared. Nobody is going to accuse me of being Air Cohen by any chance. Unless you lift me up with a crane and throw me through the air or shoot me through a cannon. That's the only way. What was it? It was Michael Jordan. It was his skills and his giftedness. You see, this is the same thing. That happened. It's all Jesus. It's not, you know. It's it's very funny, because Jesus was healing tons of people, and so this man one time brought his friend who was a blind man. He brings him over to Jesus and says, "Hey, if you lay your hands on him, he's going to get well." So Jesus, what does he do? He says, "Okay, really." He goes ahead. He reaches down in the dirt. He spits in his hand rubs it together, and plops it on the dude's eyes. That is disgusting. Don't do that. That will definitely spread the coronavirus, just to let you know. But Jesus does something because everybody said, oh, if he puts his hands on you, then you'll be healed. If he does his hand and does this kind of, whoo, hand thing, then you'll be healed. And Jesus said, oh, you think it's the hands, do you? Mud pie. And then he tells the guy to go and wash. Can you imagine his blind friend? You took me to him, saying he's going to put his hands on me. He spits in his hand, makes mud pies, plots them on me, and then the demented guy says, go find a pool to a blind man. Go find a pool and wash. That is demented. Why did Jesus do that? I have no clue. But I think he did it because he wanted you to know it's not the shoes. It's Jesus. It's, not, it's all Jesus. And so that's the first thing that we have to do. We have to do what he tells us to do. If that man had just peeled that off and gone, I would guarantee you he would have never seen at all. Second thing is, we need to focus on God wants, what God wants to do in you. Not on the problem, but God is teaching us something. It's no mistake that in, in history, every plague and pestilence has caused the church to be what Christ called the church to be. To love others, as Christ called us to do. To serve others. You see, God is more concerned in our lives about what's going on in us than what's going on around us. He wants us to have a good character. And in my troubles in my life, I've seen that God is doing something really amazing. Look at what it says in John chapter 2, verse 6, as we continue the story. It says, Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by Jews for ceremonial washing, and each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Now remember, what did they run out of? Everybody yelled it out: wine. So why didn't Jesus just say, "Gather all the wine bottles, dump water in the wine bottles, and then poof"? Did you ever wonder that? No. What did he do? He went ahead and got these big stone jars. Now, in the Jewish faith, you would have these giant stone jars and you had to wash a particular way. They had somebody watching you. You had to take your hands like this and the water had to drip down your elbows. You couldn't just flick them off like this. If you did, you weren't allowed in. There was a specific way. And what had basically happened is the wine, the joy of, in the religion had run out. And so Jesus wants to do a what some people call a twofer anybody heard that a twofer a two for one deal he wanted to use something so what he did he took these stone jars of a dead religion that were empty and he said fill them up he filled them up with water and then he poured wine into it because jesus was saying i came to bring you joy in all circumstances And so as he did this, the miracle is of two things, to put joy back in it. And maybe there's something that we may learn in the midst of the situation. What can we learn about Jesus in a coronavirus world? In 1 Peter, it says this. It says, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had, and I don't like this verse, you may have had to suffer grief In all kinds of trials. I don't like suffering. I don't like that. But in those. Why do you do that? These have come. So that your faith. Of greater worth than gold. Which perishes through refined fire. In other words. All the stuff that we have. May be proved. That your faith may be proved genuine. And may result. In praise. Glory. Honor. When Jesus is revealed. God doesn't cause the pain. But he will take it. And he will use it. To to bring something deeper, and to explain who he is. He wants to prove something amazing in our faith. And so what are we going to do in this corona world? How are we going to continue to share the love of Christ in a safe way in the corona world, coronavirus world? Number three, believe the unbelievable. We need to re-step up our, our our. thoughts and our hearts and our minds to be people who trust God to do the unbelievable we need to expect the miraculous I think many of us have just expect the mundane that we put more faith in the creation than we do the creator in John chapter 2 verse 8 after Jesus did this he said now draw some water out and take it to the master of the banquet this would be the person who is uh, dealing the, the party planner that you would have there And so they did it, they took some out, and the master of the banquet tasted the the water that had been turned to wine. And he didn't realize where it had been or come from, though the servants knew where it had come from. You see, again, we need to go ahead and trust Jesus to do the unbelievable. The servants saw what was here, and they were obedient to what Jesus said. In Mark chapter 10, verse 27, Jesus once looked at some people who couldn't, couldn't uh, heal someone, and then he looks at them and says, this is impossible with man. It's impossible with man, but with God, all things are possible. Have your prayers been of the point that you said, God, just today, just change our world, just cleanse our world, just bring your healing power to this world And just clean these viruses and it just completely out. Have you trusted God to do that? Have you made that your plea? And when everything else is done, the thing that we need to do is to expect the best. I think so many of us live with the world is going to hell in a handbasket and the best is behind us. The greatest generations are behind us in our country, in our world. And politics are worse, governments worse. Um, our education's worse. Our churches are worse. Our uh, law enforcement and our fire, our first responders, everything's worse. It's all going down the tubes. Every, people are just worse in this world. Because we don't expect the best of people anymore, and we don't expect God to do the best. As we continue in John, as we wrap this up in John chapter 2, verse 10, the master who had just sipped some of this wine that had been changed from water into from wine looked at the servants after he drank this and said, Wow, everyone brings out the choice wine first and the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. What does that mean? It means they bring out the really good stuff. Matter of fact, the world record was set just the other year um, where... A bottle of wine was bought, you ready for this? For over $500,000, one bottle. Imagine if you messed up and opened that bottle um, on on a a wrong occasion, all right? Now, just to let you know, I've been to Cana. I've been at the two traditional sites where Jesus did the miracle. I bought a bottle of that wine, and to let you know, it is the worst tasting wine I've ever had in life. I know Jesus had nothing to do with it. It was horrific. It was awful. And that would have been the stuff that people gave. I think they saved for us in Cana the stuff that usually people give at the end. Why did they do that? Because people would drink the good stuff, and the good stuff would get them feeling a little bit good. Remember how long I said it went? Seven days? So they go ahead and brought the cheap stuff out at the end. But this master said, oh, my gosh. Wow. This is the best ever I've ever tasted. This is the best, oh my gosh, amazing. How come you brought this out now? You see, God, we need to know, is saving his best for your lives now. We know what it looks like. We know what the world is. We know about all those things that I named, but God is saving the best for now. We may not see it, but remember, we as Christians, our worldview is this. We live by faith and not by sight. We live by faith. And not by sight. So what do we do? We pray this prayer that many people have in Ephesians. Which says now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. According to his power that has worked in us. God do your thing. We need to not be afraid. Yes we need to use a sound mind that God has given us. Because from the very moment that Jesus was ever spoke about. The angel said, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of a great wine, of a great joy. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got enough problems of its own. Or as I would say today, don't worry about the toilet paper tomorrow. There's enough crap today to deal with. I would have got a joke if you were all here. A laugh. All right. We walk by faith, not by sight. Because God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. So in our final thoughts today, be smart. Listen to the experts that God's given to us so that it may not affect you as badly, but there's other people that we love and we want to go ahead and make sure they're safe. Think of others. Share some of that stuff that you hoarded up in your house because you're going to try to get rid of it with family in a little while anyway. Pray, 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 and expect the best from God. And ultimately remember this. God is bigger. Way, way, way bigger. than the coronavirus, he was bigger than the black plague. He was bigger than all the plagues we spoke about. And he's bigger than anything, any challenge we have. We shouldn't be surprised as Christians That in this world, you'll have trouble. But Jesus said, I am the miracle worker. Take heart, I've overcome the world. And in any part of your life, if you feel like you've lost that joy and that wine, maybe it's in your faith, you're filling up old jars and it's just ceremony. Maybe it's in your relationships. Maybe it's in your jobs. Maybe it's just in yourself. Go to Jesus and say, I don't have any more wine. I'm empty. And do what he tells you to do and let him do a miracle in your life because he is the miracle worker. Amen. So we're going to finish with a song. I'm going to say goodbye to you all and have a good week after that and then we're going to put some other stuff back up here so let's go ahead if you want to stand up where you are go ahead if you want to sit there if you're eating your fruit loops enjoy here we go
1: how great is our-
2: How great is our God? Sing with me, how great is our God? Though we'll see how great, how great is our God. Come on, one more time, let's sing aloud.
1: He wraps himself in
2: light
1: and darkness tries to hide. It trembles at his voice. It trembles at his voice.
0: great is our God is the question we ask. It's uh, either a question, how great is our God? Or it is a statement, how great is our God? And all will see how great is our God. We want you all to have a safe, healthy, happy week. Hopefully, um, our great God will go ahead and intervene and change this world back to a place where we can live out some more of that fullness of life. Until then, um, I pray that you'll just enjoy the time with your family, that you recognize we don't get much time like this in our lives, that uh, just keep praying to God because um, I can tell you um, this is good and we're glad to God that we can do this, but it's a heck of a lot more fun with each other when we come together. Um, uh, if you're worried about the loved ones that in the back are our, our AV team, went ahead and made it work, um, we're going to spray them down with Lysol and disinfect them before we send them home. Um, But um, I thank them for coming in and doing this. And most of all, may you recognize we serve a great and loving God who is a miracle worker. And let's just trust him and expect for the best. Let's expect and pray that today, the day of prayer for coronavirus, may every day be a day where we trust in the Lord and say, God, make a way in this hurting broken world. And we will tell the whole world how great is our God. Have a great week. We're going to show you right now the texts um, and the email alerts if you want to have those. Particularly smart to go ahead and get those now so you can stay in touch. And again, if you'd like to give, um, we would love that too so we can continue to do the work of the Lord here. God bless. Have a great and healthy week. We'll see you.